Women Flip the Script is different because women are actually making the recording themselves. So rather than somebody speaking on behalf of women, this time we've asked people to go out and record their own interviews, their own personal stories, their own clips of music, and now we've put it together so that women can speak for themselves. I know somebody will learn from my story. It's mad, I'm telling you. Any woman that finds herself in that situation, yeah. like, it is for you to flip it and use it to your advantage. I think it's really exciting to be using a podcast as audio connection so that women across the UK can literally speak to each other. Like, it's not just relying on written text. Now you can just plug in as you're going around your daily business and actually feel like you're connected with other women across the country. No, you say it. No, I say it. Okay. No, you don't. Okay, you say it. okay. Women flip the script. Ooh. Women flip the script. Women flip the script. I wrote the song as a way of healing, as a way of forgiving myself. It kind of helped me to put things into perspective because that time of my life, I weren't really sure. I was a bit confused. I weren't really sure what was happening, where I was going, why I was even there. I couldn't, I couldn't fathom how I actually got there because it had everything to do with people that should love and care about me. I put my pen to the paper and I found a really nice beat that I really liked and I just started writing. The pen actually took over me. It just started writing all the feelings that I couldn't put into words. I mean, I put them into words to make a song but I couldn't put them into words to just like, you know, just say it in a sentence whilst conversing with somebody. I had to hear the music. The music, that beat, it took me right back to how this whole experience made me feel. And my pen just started flowing like the beat. DJ Unique. <laughs> Pass the mic and let me flow on this. I don't rap, I don't spit, but this heavy beat is worth the risk. Plus, I've been through a lot of shit. Now, my pain game ready to fill you in the most of it. But before I get started, this pain game challenge isn't for the weak hearted. I mean, if you feel like you've done me wrong, expect to hear something about you in this song. But I ain't gonna bitch on you. I am who I am because of the shit that I've been through, so thank you. And don't get it twist, my ink to this paper ain't about wickedness More like forgiveness without the softness Gonna say how I feel so don't mind your business Ignore the loose lips, stay woke to realness Hear it from the pony's mouth because your shit sink shit Ah, here it goes like hell Had a convo that didn't go too well Let's just say I walked away with my fists all swelled Then six months later they sent my ass to jail What a shame, my loved ones are in so much pain Only got to see my run Cause one wish I was sizzling If missions were getting nails done Four day were your friend till the day of incarceration 
inspiration Talking about my story, not knowing the situation Yeah, that was my cry last year Big woman with her bedtime last year Should've never gone outside with the wine that year Cause Babylon's house is where I dine from there And I wanna thank God that I made it home safe So women giving up using pills or a shoelace Soft if she's trying to look hard in the face I even met a pregnant one, she's the spice up the place She away And big up all the real mums inside Cause when I heard the verdict, my rose were the first to mine Praying that this outcome would have offered them up in time Determined to push them forward even though I fell behind That's how I do, that was the hardest shit I ever knew Preparing little minds to not expect me home after school Telling them to do what mum and saying not as I do And no matter what you hear, just know that mummy still loves you I got you and my rose showed me the soldiers that I grew Took my absence on the chin and continued to stay cool Told them it will be like I'm on holiday but longer Thank you little snitch, you made me and my rose stronger you know when people try to f*** shit up, but really, they turn midwife and help you birth something new. <laughs> Cheers for that. Welcome to Women Flip the Script. And um, we're talking about housing and finance in this episode. Women Flip the Script. For most women, I'm telling you, not everyone, but for most women, housing has been a major issue for them, whether they're in prison dealing with it or when they get out of prison dealing with it. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of low times, even though yeah, a lot of good things were happening. There was even times, to be honest, where because of all the things that I had to deal with, e.g., like being like not working, having no money, but having all these bills and debts mm-hmm. that I had to pay, and then like having my family there, my children there and not being able to provide the way I wanted to of provide course, or the way I needed to provide that time. Do you get what I'm saying? Is, I felt yeah. I felt guilty. Do you get yeah. what I'm saying? So and I also felt disappointed because like you said earlier, you've worked so hard and you feel like, oh I've come out and I'm and I'm I'm changes. a new person and I've made all these changes but then there's no change. Yeah. I've come out and there's no change yeah. to to my outside life. Yeah, or the circumstances. To the circumstances. So it's just like, it will be easier for me. It's easier for me to just commit a crime, go back to jail, and not be able to provide for my family because I can't. Rather than being out here and not being able to provide for my family (laughs) when I basically can. But no one's, there's no, there's no doors opening for me right now. If I kind of, portray myself in a certain mm-hmm. way then I'm going to put myself in a better position yeah. when I get out yeah, so exactly. obviously I've worked very hard then to I was very well qualified before I went away mm. and you know I was able to hold down jobs and have right, good exactly. jobs and just like with you though all of the things I had trained to do because mm-hmm. of my crime I could no longer mm. do it so then when you come out you've made these changes you've done these courses They've made you do courses because you have mm-hmm. to do the offending behaviour courses yeah. and prove yourself to the probations yeah. and all of that. It's like, you come out thinking, okay, so even with me, because I'm in a job and that, obviously, for me and my circumstances, I've just come out of prison, I do have a child who is literally, from the moment I stepped back out of prison, she was solely my responsibility again. Mm-hmm. Like... I'm thinking, right, well, I'm there. My finances are actually in a good place. That should put me in a better footing to get housing. Yeah. No, so then that does then have, like, a knock-on effect because, like, you do feel disappointed in yourself and then 
the day I stepped out, I mm. sorted out myself and I put myself in a position that I did have mm. a roof to have put over my head and yeah. a bed to lay my head down. And I know plenty of women that was getting yeah. out yeah. and being handed a tent. Like, if they ain't vulnerable already, you're then saying, here, be a little bit more vulnerable. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Once you got out of prison, do you feel there was the support to, like, maybe access the benefits or the information needed for your housing? I would say that, like, there was issues around relationship and housing because I had to rely on family to, do you know what I mean, keep Maintain my house. house. Do you yeah. get what I'm saying? In order for me to come out to one. Do you know what I mean? So that caused an issue within itself. Like, kind of like that burden of paying my rent and making sure my house was there when I came out. That did kind of have a little impact. I felt like I owed them. So then that must have kind of been obviously a strain or like... Yeah, it was a strain until they they saw how how hard I went when I came out. Do you get what I'm saying? I went, they saw that, nah, she's propagating in. Do you get what I'm saying? And that you weren't making no excuses either. Exactly, there you go. That was actually a major part of me going to prison because my housing was not in a good place situation i've just been served notice on the property i've been in for literally like years and years yeah it wasn't really good since coming out i mean for me there was no support from probation or from i was in open so i was using rottle time prior to coming out to go and visit the housing to get some support in getting housing for when i come out and they were just like oh come and see me the day you get out. So literally, that's what I had to do. The day I got out, I went straight to the housing and I had to sit in there with, like, everything and just wait for them to give me temporary accommodation. Luckily, I was able to get that, but it wasn't for me personally for where i just come from as well and the fact that I had my daughter back instantly. It wasn't a good place where they put me, do you know what I mean? And it's like when you come out with this positive headset because you've used your time wisely and you've come out and you're like right I'm gonna do this and do that and I'm gonna stay positive and whatever else and then they put you somewhere that literally does have an impact on how you're feeling you're kind of like okay um and I was working two jobs like so I just felt a little bit let down like the housing for me is still a major issue like I'm I'm working somewhere that I'm really happy that I do things that I enjoy that I feel like I'm having an impact and then you go back to some, like, basic standard of living and you're just kind of, like... And you're paying premium for it as well. Yeah. I feel like I'm being robbed, you know what I mean? And it, it is it has had a really big strain on just how I feel about myself because it's like, OK, so I've gone through all of that, gone through that bad experience because, you know, prison can be quite traumatic. Gone through all of that with keeping a positive head, with doing the right thing, and then you come out and you can't. Me for the housing situation, I feel like it's kicking me in my teeth. The housing situation is not having an effect on my daughter because we don't have the space that we need. Like she is a growing young lady, she needs yeah. her own space. I need my own space. We're literally living on top of each other, so it's like spend my time bidding. I can bid all the time and there's some days when there are properties for me to bid on that doesn't mean I've ever been offered um, a viewing and then there's some weeks when there's nothing and when I say weeks I'm talking like three weeks cons- like con- um, consecutively there is no property for me to bid for yeah. so it's like again 
I'm in a loop. I can't do right for doing wrong. They then say, look for private. You look for private and your borough then turns around and says, no, don't think you'll be able to maintain the payments for it. So we're not going to basically support you to go forward for this housing. And you're kind of like, all right, so what What do you lot want me to do? Because right now the housing situation that you currently have me in is being... It is detrimental to my 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 mental health, how I feel, my my well being, and definitely to my daughter's. Like where she's at right now, my child shouldn't have to experience this. So then, then again, you feel like, oh my gosh, this is karma. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like the higher power saying, "Hey, what? I'm gonna put you in the same position again." I'm not gonna do what I might have done before. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I'm gonna ride out this struggle, yeah. and I'm gonna. Like, I have to look at everything in like a mathematical kind of way do you know what I mean and so for me housing is the the thing that I am most striving towards right about now in my life and that means a lot of saving a lot of going without because I'm not doing it for me this is what my daughter deserves my daughter should not have to pay for my decisions do you know what I mean that's not fair so majority of people are spending how long and doing how how much of a sentence in prison and then you're coming out you have nowhere to go. I came out with a job, so I was good, do you know yeah. what I mean? But most people don't come out with a job. Mm-hmm. So then you're coming out with no money and then no housing. Yeah. If you aren't a strong person mentally and if you don't know who to turn to and ask for help and if you are not strong enough to ask for help, you're going to re-offend. You're going to find yourself going back through the system. You're going to find yourself sitting there kicking yourself again. When I came out, I was homeless. I was sleeping on a couch. I had two children in my mum's house while I was sleeping on that couch. Do you know what I mean? And every certain time of the morning you have to get up because you're sleeping on the couch. Mm-hmm. You can't be laying in, there's no laying in. It affected my relationships with my kids. They tried to offer me housing in a hostel with other criminals where my children could come. So I, I, I felt like that wasn't really a help to me mm-hmm. coming out and having no, no housing. and making a mum come out of prison who's already been away from her children mm-hmm. go and stay in a hostel away from her children it's probably mm-hmm. nowhere near where her children's staying mm-hmm. yeah has to now go and live separately and that's yeah. really going to help that child to grow up to be a, a positive person in, within in their community yeah. a citizen of this country I before prison I would say I was doing well I just I just got my degree, I was in a good job, but like my job entailed having a DBS, so obviously my offence, it caused me not to be able to work in that field anymore, so I was working before that happened, so I wasn't eligible for the free legal aid, plus my victim surcharge, I had bare things And this is literally when you've come out of prison? Literally, (laughs) they were running me down when I was in prison. A lot of the information I got was not from the prison service. It came from charities that were advocating or working in prisons with prisoners for prisoners. Yeah. Or it came from other prisoners, speaking to other prisoners. Women in prison were the ones offering therapy, therapy groups to people outside of having to go into the therapeutic wings. So it was good that, you know, there was people like women in prison coming in and offering certain counselling sessions and whatnot. I was going to you know what I mean? say that about women in prison. They kind of helped me access a little bit to housing. They mm. kind of, even though there was a, they were limited yeah. to what they could do, they, ac- they helped me access things like applying mm. on, on, online because I couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, making phone calls. 
It's not always easy working out who to speak to or what support to ask for. As episode one talked about relationships, we know that this also has an impact on our material circumstances, that is, our housing or financial situation. There are short booklets that come with each of these episodes and at the end of them you'll find a directory of different services, including helplines for advice and information. Some services do recognise the struggle of managing a million things at once, as our next interview captures. Welcome to Women Flip the Script. I'm Katie. And I'm Ellen and we're recording from Solace Women's Aid talking about the specialist services that we provide for women coming out of prison. So the Women's Assessment Hub is a service in Southwark, which is a borough in South East London, um, aimed at supporting women who are affected by primarily by rough sleeping and by the criminal justice system um, and women who are affected by violence against women and girls. And what I mean by that is domestic violence, sexual violence, stalking, harassment, crimes typically committed um, by a partner or family member towards women who provide the housing and homelessness services in the borough. And the hub is delivered by Solace Women's Aid, um, who provide domestic and sexual violence support services across London. Increasingly, as as a women's organisation, as a domestic violence organisation, we're looking at housing, looking at homelessness, because it's such a prolific route, domestic violence is such a prolific route to homelessness for women in London. Added to that, what we're focusing on is the fact that women are not just affected by domestic violence in a single issue way. They're affected by a host of other issues that intersect with the abuse that they face. So this could be women affected by the criminal justice system, by the prison system, drug and alcohol use, mental health conditions, physical health conditions, um, interaction with the care system, either as children themselves or having their own children removed, and that services really aren't meeting the needs or often aren't meeting the needs of all of these things at once. They're very much geared towards one or the other support need. So in that spirit, Solis works with Civic Housing to deliver a host of specialist housing and homelessness services um, for women, um, including women uh, support for women with children and families in temporary accommodation, support for women in crisis and needing accommodation that day, and also women um, who may be facing entrenched rough sleeping, repeated prison admission, um, and a host, as, as I mentioned, of other, of other barriers that go alongside that. So the hub is funded by the Rough Sleeping Initiative, which is a government pot of money administered by the Ministry of Housing um, to, to work with people at high risk of rough sleeping um, across the country. And they funded a number of different hubs, and there are two women's hubs, one in Southwark and one in Leeds. And so I'll be talking a little bit about our one in Southwark. So coming on to exactly what that looks like, um, we have a property uh, with three bedrooms and 24-hour support. Um, three women live there at the moment and they have an allocated resettlement worker who supports them while they're living there and we'll talk in a bit more detail about what that looks like. They are then after an eight to twelve week stay in the hub so quite a short stay um, they'll then be made an offer of accommodation um, and they will retain their key worker for up to a year to support them to settle in the community. Um, added to that we also have a specialist outreach worker who works with women who um, who may end up living at the hub or who may end up exploring alternative housing options, supported accommodation, temporary accommodation um, and again this support is very intensive and, and, and what's really different about the hub and the support that we offer is that the support is flexible and also intensive and when I say that, flexible in the sense that it's not a key worker pulling up a calendar 
full of appointments saying uh, you need to go to probation today, you need to go to the job centre tomorrow, you've got housing on Thursday, and then a drug and alcohol appointment on Friday. And if you don't get to those appointments, everything's all going to fall apart. It's much more an approach that looks at, okay, you're, you're living in a system, we're operating with a system where you've got lots of appointments, lots of things you need to do, um, but how can we make that work for you? How can we make that, that appointment something that's manageable? Are we going to go and do something nice afterwards? Are we going to do something the night before to prepare for it? Pick out what you want to wear, what you're going to have for breakfast, what bus we're going to get, be really organised, take out the stress. Um, Just to have someone on the bus home after the appointment um, to let off steam and let off your frustrations. Um, But about it's about recognising that um, the women that we're working with are having to interact with a system where they've had really negative experiences. And what can we do to make that less intimidating, less alienating? and less frightening and be that living as a as a resident in our residential service or taking uh, engaging with support from our community outreach service that's not always going to be support to go to an appointment that might be support to do a grocery shop or go for a coffee or go to a yoga class we want to be flexible around what people want to do the hub is staffed 24 hours a day and there's always someone available if someone just needs a bit of a chat or wants someone to have a cup of tea with or someone to help them get to the chemist or to get to the supermarket, um, that's always going to be an option for them. It's just somebody to come home to. So the way that we feel kind of our approach at the hub and with our outreach work is that you can't treat the symptoms of uh, repeated offending and repeated admissions to prison without treating the cause. You know, women are treated like a set of walking risk factors. Um the criminal justice system is quite a shaming ritual for women. You know, they stand in the dock and somebody tells them they're a terrible person and then they get locked up. It's just very, very symbolic. And what we try and do is, you know, it's a very dehumanising process. So we bring back the humanity of that and we, you know, we take a really holistic approach. Um, We look at the whole human being and not a set of risk factors because these women haven't experienced a lot of kindness um, in their lives they've gone through a lot of violence and a lot of abuse which has led them maybe to the, the issues and the barriers that they face so we are getting them used to the idea that they deserve kindness and that builds their self-esteem and in turn leaves them less vulnerable to abuse so we encourage people to feel good and have fun in that approach so when we do budgeting you know we factor in phone credit and bus passes and like how are you gonna do your shopping but we also say let's you know put aside 10 pounds to get your nails done are you going to do your hair this month we have self-care Sundays at the hub where we do face masks with the women we do yoga um we take them to the cinema we see them as whole people and they respond to that and they build relationships with their workers where we'll sit and watch Love Island with them we'll sit and have a cup of tea and we'll have real conversations and they haven't necessarily experienced that. They've experienced being treated as somebody who's done wrong and people are bigger than their actions. So we recognise that one of the really destabilising things for women when they go into prison is the separation from their children. Um, And we recognise that this obviously dramatically affects women in a way that it doesn't necessarily affect men. Um, And as a women's service and a service for women coming out of prison, we want to be uh live to that fact and and conscious of that fact um the hub itself the accommodation um is not family accommodation that the hub is um single single rooms however um that's why the outreach project is so important as well so 
if a woman were to require support, want, need support from us, um, and she did have children or she had the opportunity of having her children returned, um, we would certainly explore the housing options with her KTR outreach worker, specialist outreach worker, um, would look into what accommodation might be suitable for her and her children. She wouldn't necessarily, as I said, she wouldn't be able to live at the hub. That's not the provision that we, we've been um, we've been given on this occasion, but we would support her through the community and exploring our housing options with the local authority. So by no means is this an attempt to minimise the damage and the challenges men face when they go to prison, but just to recognise that it is a very different experience for women um, and actually much more acute. So when men go into prison, there's often a woman available to sustain the family unit, might be mum, grandma, girlfriend. Um, but when women go into prison, there isn't. Um, and they lose their children to the care system and they exit prison a, a single woman and often have to go and present at housing that day. And uh, while dealing with the trauma and the pain of not having seen their children for some time, who they love and care about and want to have a relationship with, you know, they're faced with a housing officer saying, well, as a single woman, you're not a priority and you haven't got kids. But it, in the event that she is given accommodation, it will be for a single woman. And then when she approaches her social worker about rebuilding the relationship with her children, she'll be met with the response that obviously... Um, you don't have the right accommodation to accommodate a family, therefore your children will not be returned to you, they'll be remaining in whatever arrangement they're in. So of course it's impossible to work with women, particularly women who've faced, um, who've been disadvantaged and marginalised by society without really centering children within that because these are often women who have children and often women for whom their relationship to children is really traumatic, not to mention they've probably or often may have been care leavers themselves or involved with the care system as children themselves, which obviously brings its own additional trauma and its own additional barriers and, um, and often very legitimate distrust or discomfort around social care and local authorities um, based on their own challenges. What we've got is we've got a system that is reproducing injustices and equalities across generations here because these women have been traumatised by their experiences, you know, the systemic failings that have led them to be in this position. They've been through a care system that hasn't, with the best will in the world, necessarily cared for them that well. They've been given a leaving flat at age 16 that they don't know how to maintain. They may have lost that. They may have ended up homeless or in volatile relationships, they haven't got a network of family support, they then have children that they then lose to the care system. And what chance do those children have? And they can't even be necessarily raised by, you know, maternal or paternal grandmother, because where is that net of family support in the first place? So we're really, really reproducing this dynamic of women that face these barriers and don't have the adequate support to overcome them. So I think that's important to recognise the impact of doing this to a new generation of children that are removed from these women? I've always worked in the women's sector. It's been something that is important to me. Women's rights and feminism have always been um, a big focus for me and, and I've wanted to be part of, um, of creating a society that gives women a fairer deal and I've always enjoyed being able to do that for a living. Um, but I did start my career working in more kind of general services, so... Um, refuges for families fleeing abuse or uh, community advocacy for women um, that were at high risk of harm and I, I realised during my time working in that field that um, that housing was the thing that really struck me. Um, it, it was so hard to get somebody housed who was plainly homeless, at risk, in desperate need of safe accommodation and I started to really enjoy housing advocacy and the reasons for that are um, 
as much as it's changed a lot in recent years, the legislation for housing in the UK does entitle people who need housing to get some sort of housing. Um, and that's always that's always been a really great foundation. And you've been and I've been able to argue with local authorities and argue with different housing providers for women's safety through that. And, and my career very much went in, on the path of housing and homelessness. Um, it's it's so integral to to somebody recovering and moving forward from a difficult time in their lives. Um, it's impossible for somebody with insecure housing or unstable housing to move forward. And of course, they're going to end up returning to an abusive partner or um, engaging in behaviours that end up having getting them arrested um, or their mental health is going to take a nosedive or they're not going to be able to meet their physical health needs. They're going to fall out with family. They're going to fall out with friends. Of course they are. And it just struck me that homelessness expedites and worsens any challenge for women um, just so quickly and so easily that things end up 100 times worse when actually having a place to call home would have really set the ball rolling on solving a lot of what's going on for them. So I think there is a reluctance and a barrier to providing women with the resources that they need. Um, and I think, to be honest, I think that has a, two, two key reasons. Uh, one of them is austerity. Um, we're 10 years into the project of austerity and it's not working. Um, it's, it's led to lack of housing, lack of social care, lack of health care, lack of mental health services, lack of drug and alcohol services. And they're stripped back year on year on year. And particularly working with women who are perhaps in their 40s and 50s, they remember a time where there was more provision for them and there would be more support for these things to be resolved. And it actually comes as quite a shock that there isn't any more. That being said, I don't think austerity adequately answers the question of why there's why there's a challenge in women accessing these resources. Um, I think it's a huge part, but I also think we have to look at the fact that there is, we're operating in a society that institutionally isn't able to to accept that women experience life differently to men, um, and particularly women who face some of the additional barriers that we've talked about, and therefore they need a different approach. There's not necessarily a lot of scope that can understand why a woman with two young children can't sit in a housing office all day waiting to be seen for six, seven, eight hours. Or why a woman who's struggling with heroin addiction can't sit or wait and wait in a housing office for six, seven, eight hours. She's got things she needs to go and do, needs to go and collect her scripts on and so forth. But an institutional uh, reluctance to engage with with any of the of the additional barriers as well. So I think it's hard enough if you're if you're a woman going in to get these resources. It's ten times harder if you've got any other barriers where there's a real institutional distaste for them. So my job title is I'm the specialist housing advocate in Southwark for Solace Women's Aid. Um, and my day to day working life is that I support women who are at risk of homelessness or who are already homeless. I help them get off the streets and I help them into accommodation and I support them to access a homelessness process that they would otherwise find it really difficult to access. Um, and I help to kind of build their self-esteem and their self-belief and get them stable so that if they are given somewhere to live, they're more likely to sustain it. So I think we need to recognise what's going on in society at the moment and the impact of austerity, because that's left us with a housing crisis. We've got no social housing. We've got a scarcity of housing in London that's even worse. We've got unmanageable rents. Um, you know, combine that with the invisibility of women's homelessness. We know that women aren't necessarily seen on the streets. The other thing is that when women are street homeless, um, rough sleeping provision is really dominated by and catered for men. You know, mixed hostels are not appropriate for women that have 
been through trauma. They don't want to be housed with men that are suffering from difficulties too. And, you know, women need to feel safe. They're not going to feel safe with men next door in the room next door. They need to be in a women-only environment. I don't think that's much to ask. And I hope that people start to provision those kind of services. If an outreach worker says to them, you know, come into our hub, we've got a pop-up hub and we've got seven beds and you can have a bed for the week while we try and move you forward. That is not a gendered provision. There's men in that pop-up hub. You're all in one room on camp beds with men. So that woman's not going to feel safe to access that support. And that's often the gateway to more help. So the other thing is that when women do present and they are given temporary accommodation when they're in crisis, um... They can be given temporary accommodation up to an hour and a half away. So women could be given temporary accommodation in areas that they're not familiar with. How is a woman with children going to get her children to school? You know, so often that forces them to stay in violent situations. Also, specifically, women that are leaving prison, you know, and there's only two probation hostels in the whole of the south of England for women. There's loads and loads for men. You might get asked by a housing officer why you're in the position you're in as if you you need to kind of explain and account for yourself when all you need is somewhere safe to sleep that night. So the whole process for anybody presenting as homeless is very difficult. And then if you add the needs of women that have been through the criminal justice system, it's like without that support, they're going to get sucked into this tornado almost that how do they stop life happening to them and start dictating how their life's going to be. So we are responsabilising women for the position that they find themselves in because of what they've gone through, because of the results of, you know, a chaotic upbringing, without the support to maintain a lifestyle um, legitimately. And we are punishing women for the support needs that they're presenting with. So we've had some really great successes, both in the accommodation project at the Hub and in the outreach. Um, It's really early days for the accommodation. We only opened our doors a couple of months ago, Um, but we are at full capacity. We've got three women living there. One of our current residents, I remember the day she moved in, um, she drew this short straw and ended up with the smallest room at the project. And I was making a bit of a joke with her about whether she'd be all right with it. And she said, you know, most of the girls at the train station today didn't have anywhere to go. So I'm, I'm just happy to have somewhere. And I think stuff like that are really the kind of early achievements that we're starting to see and that we're starting to celebrate. I mean, it's a lovely little house. It's, it's more feels more like a house share and it's got a little garden and a balcony. And I think it's just a nice place to come into. And, and that, that's been really positive. Um, and the relationships they've built with their workers, again, this, these are women who've probably had um, hundreds of key workers throughout their adult life and indeed their childhood. Um, but we're, we're seeing really good relationships. Like we've talked about things like going out for coffee, going for lunch, going to the cinema, really just feeling better about themselves. Um, a couple of the women we're working with at the moment um, are looking at college courses, looking at a future. But what we're seeing is that the women are envisioning a life where they're not getting recalled to prison. Um, most of our residents at the moment have had several short sentences. Um, and, and it was just that that kind of cycle of be released. There's nothing in place to, to kind of catch them. Things take a nosedive. They end up back in prison, you know, re- re- wash, rinse, repeat kind of thing. And and they haven't they haven't returned to prison. Um, they've been able to actually engage with the support and and see that there could be something better than that, and that there could be the opportunity of of a different life. And I think the thing that really works is is that they they know that there will be some form of accommodation for them. Um, 
and alongside that very intensive support to maintain that accommodation um and i think that that's been why we've been able to see these really early successes and i think there's real excitement about the future for the women that we're working with they're really excited to get their property and they're really excited to decorate it and enroll on the college course and do nice things with their worker and and just have have a future where they don't have to consider um consider putting themselves at risk to survive but we really hope if the pilot's a success that there may be scope for that to be expanded and tried out in different cities if you are a woman uh, with a connection to Southwark and you are coming out of prison, um, Southwark Probation are familiar with the project. So have a chat with your probation worker um, before release about accessing the project. We really encourage you to do that before release. Um, uh, we are able to do prison visits and do an assessment there and see if we're able to offer you support. Um, alternatively, if perhaps you don't, you're not involved with probation at the moment or uh, you're involvement with the criminal justice system is quite historic um, you can also request support at Bournemouth Road in Peckham the housing office um, you can request support from Solace at the front desk there and you will receive either support from our outreach worker or another member of the Solace team I think whatever borough you are in um, there will be a women's support service that your probation officer can refer you to so I think it's really important to speak to your probation officer before you're released because you know, these services can come and visit you in prison and make you feel reassured and supported when you come out. A lot of these services, I know in Southwark, we work with a service called PCAN a lot. And what's lovely is if I get a referral from the women, so PCAN operates out of the women's hub in Southwark and Lewisham. And if I get a referral from PCAN to support a woman, PCAN will pick that woman up from prison on release. So the through the gate service, really try to, you know, engage with your probation officer before you're released as much as possible ring them ask for support have a video link you know see how much you can get in place before you're released because the support is there for information advice and support visit prisonadvice.org.uk next time on women flip the script for me, the housing does affect the mental health because it does cause, like, it causes depression. This podcast was made possible by Advanced Women in Prison and Pact. It was produced by Van de Canton. A huge thank you to all the brilliant women who contributed their stories, poems, music and words of wisdom. Don't forget to pick up your transcripts where you'll find written versions of each episode and information on some of the services mentioned and others that might be helpful. Women.